I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to IntroVets Podcast. Greetings. The snack-sized episode. You're so tiny. <laughs> well, JJ. Yep. Your little dog just had surgery. He did. He did. How's he doing? He's fine. He had like maybe a day or two where he was a little puny. But other than that, strangely enough, he was allowed to have his soft toys and he would get one and kind of start to gnaw on a little bit and then. Oh, my God. And then gnaw on it some more. So, yeah, he was cute but pitiful. Well, now we need to provide some context as to what type of surgery he had. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, So, yeah. JJ texted me a few weeks ago and sent me a photo of Fizzgig's mouth. His shark mouth. If you'll remember, when we originally established on the podcast that JJ wanted a Havanese, I was like, I hope you have a dentistry savings account ready. Like, Mm -hmm. just prepare for the full mouth extractions. (laughs) Which you didn't have to have, but I'm saying, look, don't rule it out for the future. But he had um, deciduous teeth, uh, his canines that were uh, not exfoliating properly, and they were pushing his adult canines into naughty positions. And so she she took a picture and texted it to me right away. And I was like, that dog needs to get those teeth out right the fuck now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not doing dentistry right now because I am going to school and I work in ER. I just don't have the right equipment and everything. And, like, it's something that you... If you're doing dentistry, you have to do it the right way. So I can't do it the right way right now. So I just have to pause it, you know. So I was like, you need to get your little fuzzy butt down to the <laughs> veterinary dentist. And luckily, they were able to get her in like really quickly. Yep. Yep. They got, turns out he had, I didn't even see it until maybe like a day or two later. He had two incisors mm-hmm. on the bottom that were retained, the two lower, the two upper. and then. They found, while he was at the specialist, another baby tooth that one of the roots has started to absorb a little bit or resorb a little bit in on x-ray, which mm-hmm. they should all have. Yeah, but there was no adult tooth under it, nope. right? Yeah. So nope. they took it out. Sayonara. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how many did he have total then? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Two, four, six, seven. 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 Yeah, seven. seven. I had to count. Yeah. <laughs> Well, poor guy. And I'm sure he bounced right back, though. Oh, yeah. He's fine. Uh, Yeah. So I'm so glad. You know, a lot of people don't realize how important interceptive orthodontics is. By that, we're talking about in growing dogs, we can see the shit show starting Mm -hmm. to accumulate. It's it's starting, the shit ball is starting to roll down the shit hill. And then a lot of times people will just be like, oh, let's just wait till they're, you know, Uh, adult you know or let's just see how it goes a little bit longer not understanding that the longer that those deciduous or baby teeth stay in they are actually impacting the ability of the adult teeth to grow in correctly that's something i didn't understand as a veterinarian for i mean a, a good while until i really started doing a lot of dentistry ce so i was like jj we need to talk about that let's just like was number one topic on the snack episode. <laughs> we need to let people know, like, yep. don't sleep on these these puppies, especially small breeds that have these fucked up dentition. I mean, it will 
he, instead of having now lifelong adult problems, he, he's probably going to go back to normal. I hope so. I mean, I can already tell, like, because I was kind of looking at his bite uh, when I got him home and his lower canine was rubbing on one of the uh, upper canines. Mm -hmm. And it's been a week and two days since he's had it done and the rubbings are already stopped. The lower canines, I can tell, are going more Mm -hmm. outward Mm -hmm. instead of the way they were going. That's amazing. And he's doing ball therapy right Mm -hmm. now. JJ, tell us what ball therapy is. So the way it's supposed to work is, you know, they tote around a ball and just the ball's weight and it being in that and then biting down on it, it helps move those teeth generally in the direction they're supposed to be. The ball he has, he could use it as a bowling ball, but he, he, <laughs> it was a, a food ball that I'd bought for my bigger dogs and mm-hmm. oh, he yeah, loves it. Okay. So like he, he chases it down the hall. He, he looks like a giant clown coming back. He can't see <laughs> past it. So he runs in, bounces off of Ben's leg, but he's been retrieving it. And Good. He'll chew on it. So he's between that and his, he's got a little small dog Kong that he will hold we'll in hold, that. Yeah. So that's probably the right shape too. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. You know, a lot of people don't know that when dogs are growing, their mandible, so the lower jaw and maxilla, upper jaw, don't grow at the same time. They don't grow together. They grow like in different spurts and things. Mm-hmm. But it does not take much pressure at all to delay those changes in the bone growth and the tissue growth. So you can have just a little soft tissue hangup that you think is no big deal. And it makes a huge deal. And now the dog's uh, oral confirmation is not normal for the rest of its life. So Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I think this is a great example. Successful interceptive orthodontics. Mm -hmm. And I bet you, if you had taken him in for a puppy visit to any regular veterinary practice, I bet you 90% of veterinarians would have looked to that and said, probably fine. Let's just watch it. And I need y'all to understand if you're listening to me right now on this podcast. It's not fine. That that's not the right answer. Okay. (laughs) The right answer is, shit, we got to get interceptive orthodontics done. Yep. And the other thing that's really important is that deciduous teeth have the same root structure and anatomy as adult teeth. You have to use the same extraction techniques to remove them. And you have to be hella careful because you can damage the developing adult teeth if you don't do this correctly. So all of the people and I, you know, look, we're about to about to get up on my soapbox and get a little hard assed right now, okay? Y'all know who you are, all of those people that just elevate the tooth till it snaps off and then be like, well, my job here is done. You're not doing anything. You're making it worse. Stop fucking doing that. Okay. Get appropriate care. Seeing the veterinary dentist was appropriate care for this mm-hmm. kind of dog. Any kind of little damn tiny ass dog like JJ has <laughs> needs to go to the veterinary dentist usually. I will have you know his upper <laughs> incisors are perfect. 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 Mm-hmm. You can ask for they're just a perfect Gorgeous. curve. They look beautiful. Gorgeous. Lower incisors are still a little jacked right now, but hopefully they will straighten themselves on out. Yeah. But the other thing I'm doing is every night mm-hmm. he gets his teeth brushed. You're very good. He yes. gets brushed and he gets his teeth brushed. Basic care. That is yep. what we want right there. And he loves it. And when he had his surgery, you said he uh, had a CT scan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I can't remember whether we talked about that on the podcast earlier or if we cut it. Do you remember? I don't know if I, we got I cut, but I remember we recorded we, it. We talked about it for a little bit, how I was like having a like mild emotional breakdown because <laughs> like I can't even get um, other veterinarians to routinely take dental x-ray and now the the goalpost is moved even further uh-huh. and I'm like, shit, I just want to <laughs> lay on the floor and scream, you know, like, I think we did cut it out because I was like, ooh, that's maybe... <laughs> Maybe I should just talk to my therapist about that first. But, you know, I'm going to be brave and just say it. Like, Mm -hmm. look, just know if you're listening to this and you're doing dentistry, the goalpost is now CT every case. So if you haven't even done x-rays yet, you are behind the curve substantially okay <laughs> there you cannot like there is no fucking excuse for this mm-hmm. in 2022 you need to be taking dental x-rays with all of your cases we will now change the subject <laughs> <laughs> but i love this subject yes. <laughs> i know right like damn lord mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. <laughs> jj one day what we're are... gonna do a full dentistry episode i know we just one have to day. get some, you know look everybody's busy Veterinarians are busy. Specialists are busy. Like um, the most common thing that I get when I ask people like, hey, we'd love to have you for an episode is like, yes, but in like 1.5 years. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, now I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> you know, like, They're like, we just don't have time. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, we do need to for sure. So <laughs> anyway, what else is ha- what's what else is crack a lacking? Mm. Uh, my old cat, B. Arthur, is in the middle of another GI flare up. She appears to be like a summer yearly situation for her, but she's doing, she's back to doing good. Summer gives me GI flare up too. (laughs) Maybe we should study it. (laughs) I, uh, you know, and this is like, you know, she's in a perfectly controlled environment. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like people food. She eats the same exact fucking meal her entire, like every single day on a schedule, like nothing about her life has changed. And she just has had a massive flare up again. So. We're back to high-dose steroids, back to sucking down everything in sight and harassing me and the other cats and Carl. And the other day, Carl sent me a photo of her on top of the top cabinets in my kitchen. She reached a new height. Like, yes, we're talking about like countertop to the top of the fridge to then the top of the cabinetry, a place she has never been in her entire life. She's 11, y'all. She's like 15 pounds. Like, if she falls from that height, I don't know what we're going to do. Bad things happen to round things and inclines. That's exactly right, JJ. They <laughs> do. <laughs> Have you seen that um, video of, like, if all animals were ball-shaped and it's, like, <laughs> it's bounce around? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's what it would be like. Yep. So she couldn't get herself back down, and Carl had to get the ladder and, like, get her down. He had, like, so dry cat food is her favorite thing in the whole world. And I don't, you know, allow her to have it, but we do have, like, a secret stash of dry GI food in the laundry room that she kind of knows about and will break into the laundry room and try to eat the entire bag. So we had a few of those kibbles and was, like, trying to coax her down. And he said she was, like, uh, uh, like trying to, like, <laughs> Trying to, like, get excited, like, snap at his fingers and stuff, but wouldn't let him, like, grab her. Like, oh, my God. So that's a full full update. Yeah. Well, so uh, the main thing that I wanted to chat about today is I have some exciting 
veterinary developments to share with you, JJ. Ooh. I have two different studies to talk with you about. Sure. They are not in any way related to one another other than they both involve dogs. But, you know, they're both recent. Mm. Okay. The first thing (laughs) that I need to tell you about is diagnosing marijuana toxicity in dogs. It's a problem. Yep. So we all have seen this and it's, you know, getting more common. Like mm-hmm. more states are legalizing marijuana for recreational use. Uh, hey, look, I'm not mad about it. Like, sounds great. Party on. <laughs> but unfortunately, along with that, people are not that great about hiding this from their animals. Or being honest when they know their animal has gotten into it. That's true. Just tell the truth. Just tell us because we already know. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so uh, basically there's been a trend of like on ER and that kind of thing using these over-the-counter human urine THC tests to like screen for marijuana toxicity in dogs presenting with no known exposure, but like symptoms that make us think that's what's going on. And sometimes they'll pop up positive. And so you're like, oh, this is one of those dogs. Mm -hmm. But what we don't know till now is how accurate are those tests. And so we have a study about it. Sweet. Okay. The main author on the study uh, is Fitzgerald. That is the last name. I did not write the whole name down. (laughs) That's my bad. Okay. So Fitzgerald et al., 2021. Okay. The title of the study is Detecting and Quantifying Marijuana Metabolites in Serum and Urine of 19 Dogs Affected by Marijuana Toxicity. And it was published in the Journal of Veterinary Diagnostic Investigation in 2021. The purpose of the study was two things. First, to determine how effective a new serum test was at determining when marijuana toxicity was present. So I don't fully understand all of the mechanics of this complicated test, but it is called an ultra-performance liquid chromatography tandem mass spectrometer test and you do that on serum bless you thank you uh in detecting thc metabolites okay and then the second part was to see how well do these human over-the-counter like urine point of care tests work Mm -hmm. so two things okay so they took 19 otherwise healthy dogs that were either presented for known exposure of marijuana or like highly suspected based on clinical signs. Okay. Six of the 19 were the ones that they knew for sure had, had like ingested the marijuana and 13 were like, we're not a hundred percent, but this is probably what it is. Okay. Then they took two healthy controlled dogs that had no marijuana exposure. Okay. And they got serum samples and urine samples from all of them. Now, the serum test that they were testing out in the study actually works pretty well. So that serum test showed THC metabolites for all 19 of the dogs in the test group. That means all the dogs that we knew had gotten marijuana and the ones that we highly suspected, all 19 of those, yep, they were positive on the serum tests, okay? And they did not show positives on the two controlled that hadn't got into it. Okay, so that's a pretty fucking good yeah, that's test. Yes, 100% accuracy. Sounds good. Okay. Now, in the, in the urine test, though, didn't right, right. go so good. So 20 out of the total 21 samples were negative. Hmm. The one test sample 
wasn't positive, there was not enough urine to run it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that sounds about uh, like my life right there. <laughs> of the 19 dogs that, uh, you know, were either known or highly suspected to have uh, marijuana toxicity and that came up positive on this serum test that they're developing, none of them popped positive on the urine test. So, I wonder if the Taco Bell test would work. JJ. I'm sorry. I don't think it would, because I think even the two healthy dogs would eat anything you gave them from Taco Bell. Mm, maybe. It, you know what it would require? Some type of ability for the dog to place their own order. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you would have yeah. to have the button set up, right, on the floor. <laughs> quesadilla, 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 quesadilla. <laughs> the one that ordered 15 quesadillas, <laughs> positive, <laughs> right? <laughs> the one that orders a taco and a crunch trap supreme probably okay <laughs> we should propose that you know the only problem is the severe diarrhea that mm-hmm. would result mm-hmm. but hey we wouldn't have to give it to them just track what their order was send them home with some metronidazole on the side it would it would involve significant preparation to do this <laughs> test, and I really don't think it carries over into everyday life. So I don't know that we'll get funding for it Mm-mm. at any rate. So, um, yeah, as far as going back now to the urine test, unfortunately, it looks like it's not a super great test to screen for things, right? Because all those ones that uh, were positive weren't positive <laughs> on the test. So that's kind of uncool. Okay, so why might that be? Well, um, there's a there appears to be a high rate of false negatives on this test when we use it in dogs because dogs produce different THC metabolites than people in invariable amounts. So they do produce a smidge of the metabolite that humans produce the majority of, but it's just a smidge. And and it varies a lot. And so even a pretty significant marijuana exposure in a dog might not result in enough of that specific metabolite for the test to pop positive. And that's why they think that it didn't work as well. Well, it sounds like an opportunity for somebody. I mean, if these tests are so cheaply and easily made for people, can't they tweak them a little bit and make them for dogs? You mean the urine tests? Mm -hmm. Well, that is a great question, JJ. And I... Do not know the answer fully, but when I read the study, they did mention about that variability that urine testing in dogs might not be the way to go. Mm. But, you know, they might try, right? Um, But I think what this study does show is like maybe we could do a quick send out test, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know enough about this technology to fully understand whether it could be uh, the serum test technology that we talked about earlier. I don't know enough about it to know realistically whether it could ever be done in general practice or whether it's like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, like, you're going to be sending that bitch out. THC snap test. That would be awesome, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, you know. But anyway, um, so that kind of thing still in the works. I don't think that this test that they tested, the serum test, is like commercially available. At this point, I don't think. Mm. But you know what? Call your reference lab and ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're coming out with new stuff all the time. Sweet. Sweet. Okay. All right. The second thing that I wanted to tell you about was that a study found 
something that had never been known previously. Well, it had been guessed at previously, but there had never been like a boom, for sure, here's the fucking evidence situation until now. That dogs have a physical pathway from the nose to the occipital uh, lobe. And they also have like a vast network of white matter that extends from the olfactory bulb to form all these different connections directly in other cortices of the brain. So what does that mean? Well, because there is a connection between the nose and the occipital lobe, which controls vision, we know somehow the dog's sense of smell is connected to their vision, <laughs> which it's not in people. And this, this discovery was the first time this had ever been documented in any species. So it's like really fucking impressive. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this has just come out. I got this from an article that was published July 18th of 2022. Okay. Like this is recent shit. The study is called Extensive Connections of the Canine Olfactory Pathway Revealed by Tractography and Dissection, and it was published in the Journal of Neuroscience, and the authors are Andrews et al. And I also got a lot of information from a specific article from Cornell University called Study Finds New Links Between Dogs, Smell, and Vision, and in that article, one of the researchers was quoted. That researcher's name is Johnson. Cool. Uh, So, uh, and this is a quote from the article. Johnson and her team found connections where the brain processes memory and emotion, which are similar to those in humans, as well as never-before-documented connections to the spinal cord and the occipital lobe that are not found in humans. And then a direct quote from the study. Quote, we discovered an extensive white matter network extending from the olfactory, that's smelling, bulb to form novel connections directly to other cortices of the brain. This is the first documentation of these novel olfactory connections and provides new insight into how the dog integrates olfactory stimuli in their cognitive functioning. And so we don't understand fully all of the reasons that this developed and is present. But the researchers think that this is one of the reasons why when dogs go blind, they do really, really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like a lot of dogs who become suddenly blind, like their owners might not even notice. I've had that happen before. The dogs can still chase a ball. They can just, you know, like they seem like boom, 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 like I'm super cool with it. Just don't move the furniture. Just don't move the furniture. Right. So that might be one of the reasons uh, that they adapt so well. Mm-hmm. So I That's thought that awesome. was super exciting. Mm-hmm. Dogs are cool. They are cool. <laughs> I also, JJ, have looked up some quick-hitting veterinary topics to share with you. Right, These are ones that I was like, that sounds important. But when I clicked on it, I was like, "This will." we can summarize this in one sentence. Mm-hmm. But it's important. But like, on the other hand, it won't take up a whole episode. <laughs> This meeting could have been an email. That's right. So we're going to do quick hitting topics corner. <laughs> quick, quick hitting topic number one. The American College of Veterinary Nephrology and Urology has been provisionally recognized as a brand new veterinary specialty. Ooh. Yay. <laughs> applause. 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 
you know, it'll be several years before they decide if this is going to be like a Ferilski's long-term specialty or not. But this provisional uh, acceptance of urology nephrology means that people that are already boarded in other specialties, so like say an internist, could then go on and get to like double boarded. They could get urology nephrology too. Hmm. And they did describe in the article I read an alternate pathway where someone who's not currently a specialist could go through the residency and all of those things to get to the point that they also can become a diplomat. But there was some kind of weird like caveat to it that I didn't fully understand. So anyway, if you guys are real jazzed about urology nephrology, know <laughs> that it is now a possibility for you. And uh, go take a look at the at the website and check it out. <laughs> That's exciting. Now, the other thing that they're thinking about making a specialty is veterinary education. And there's oh. actually like a big controversy about this right now. What's the controversy? Well, so <laughs> I read several things, okay? So I'm sure that I can't speak for everyone that is against this. But the the vibe that I was getting, <laughs> the vibe of it was, you know, to be a veterinary educator, I already have to have a specialty in whatever field. Now you're asking me to go get a second specialty to be able to teach. That's asking too much, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that also like because the pay in veterinary education is not that great compared to being a specialist in private practice, like. They're basically saying, like, you're asking people to spend a crap ton more money to get this extra training, and you're going to pay them less. So that's mm. not going to work. Yeah, no. I can see where that would be a problem. Yes. But proponents of this change are like, yo, just because you're good at a veterinary specialty, like, let's just use, let's pick on surgeons for a second, okay? <laughs> so just because you're a boarded surgeon and you're really, really good at surgery does not mean that you're good at teaching surgery, right? Mm -hmm. Or same thing, like you could apply it to anything, cardiology, right? Ultrasound, right? Like any of those things, like you can personally be super fucking good at the thing and completely suck at being a teacher of the thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I get that too. Like that's not a bad argument either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because look, I'm not going to lie. Now I went, you know, when I went to veterinary school, I did have some professors. It really made a difference in my life. We talked about one, Dr. Beard, the radiologist on the podcast, you know, a, a few weeks ago now. But, dude, there were some where I was like, this is not your calling. Like, you <laughs> like you need to not do this. And some of them that I really felt like, I mean, I really felt like some of them were just trying to torture us. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it that way, but, man, I think it's true, though, like, mm -hmm. where they were just like, trying to be they, they were always trying to do the most mm. to make us feel like shit you know like either that or they're just mean people so either one of those things but like what the like i mean i don't know how much of this i can like i don't know i mean what are they <laughs> gonna do? give it away like what are they gonna do okay look come take my degree away or something look i paid for that bitch okay anyway <laughs> Okay, so in, uh, I won't use any names, but I'll just say, like, okay, when we were in veterinary school, we had a cardiology class. I don't even think we had it a whole year. I think it was just, like, a semester of cardiology. And this person, like, fucking tortured us. They, 
um, were shit at lecturing. They were shit at writing notes. And then when they would do tests, they would purposely just try to make it fucking terrible. And I think I very I vividly remember that like the highest grade in the class on one of our cardiology tests was a 60 something. And it was like they just delighted in that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that is a real ego-driven type of behavior. It in no way helps people learn, right? Learning, teaching is a very social thing. Now, a lot of vets are introverts, and that's fine because you actually don't have to be extroverted to have social tendencies. That's a common misconception, right? But teaching is a super social interaction. And so if your bag is like fucking humiliating people and being like, oh, fuck you, students or whatever, like you're not going to be very effective at teaching anyway. Sorry. I wonder <laughs> if that person felt... send the veterinary police <laughs> arrest me. I wonder if that person felt threatened and was trying to like, you know, you will never be as good as I am. I don't know. I mean, look, they're a very brilliant person. They don't have anything to be threatened about. But I had look, I had other clinicians that I've talked about. On here before, uh, uh, Dougie McIntyre, who's, uh, you know, not with us anymore, Uh, Dr. Beard, Dr. Dennis Golden, the internal medicine specialist, he's not at Auburn anymore, that I'm aware of, um, people that really, really shaped my practice and were dedicated teachers who who were very good and and well-suited to teaching. And but I've had girl, I've had others where I was like, what the fuck are you doing up in here? Like, it seems like you don't even like people. Like, why are you teaching if you don't like people? That is the craziest shit. Anyway, I hear you. So if we can bring it back around, this was supposed to be quick hitting topics. And I feel like that was medium hitting. Um, (laughs) Should veterinary education become a specialty? Oh, it's so tough. You know what, girl? I'm going to say, I'm going to be bold and be like, yes, it should. But should it require a whole separate residency or anything? I don't think so. I feel like they can make it into something that's not as involved as the other specialties and just Mm -hmm. you like, it's more of like, do you have the ability Mm -hmm. to teach? Yeah. Why don't we make it a certificate? Yeah. Something like that. You know, something like that. Because I think that it is important. For the people that are responsible for teaching our young veterinarians actually have the fucking skills to be able to do that Mm -hmm. Um, because that's important. And these veterinary students are paying a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. for you to teach them. And if you suck at it. Yep. What they should do is like send them on a lecture tour and (laughs) get the feedback. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Or or like, you know, maybe they could do an abbreviated master's of education. I mean, I'm not saying that they need to go through like a whole two and a half, three year program, you know, mm-hmm. like people think of a master's degree as like, oh, that's an extra year, but not when you're doing a clinical thing like teaching or counseling or something. It's way much more, super more than that. But maybe they could do like an abbreviated thing. that's mm-hmm. like, look, this is a one-year situation, you know, we're going to kind of squish all the stuff because you don't need to know about early childhood education to teach veterinary students and shit like that. Like, we're going to squish it all in and have you guys learn some techniques and things like that. And then also just make sure you really want to teach. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe I kind of feel like it would also like just raise the bar of who's allowed to teach to kind of like 
to do that, you really have to be dedicated to teaching to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that might be a value that I have. <laughs> Is that like if you're going to teach, you have to really fucking want to. Anyway, that's my biased opinion. <laughs> Okay, the last quick hitting thing is that I was so excited because there was a study out about the use of transdermal gabapentin in cats. And I was like, fuck yes, let's read the shit out of this study. But um, unfortunately, that study was just like, we don't know if it works still. (laughs) Well, that's useless. So, well, it's not useless. I think the answer so far is don't fucking try it. Like, don't do it. Don't be using transdermal gabapentin in cats, okay? Till we know what carrier molecule works. I can tell you that in the study that I read, which was recent, and I did not write it down, I'm sorry, but it was from 2021 or 2022. The gabapentin concentrations measured after transdermal application were nowhere near Mm. uh, oral. And the sedative effects that you get from oral were not observed with transdermal. So I think we can extrapolate that the pain control wasn't either. So my feeling is we don't know that it works. In fact, we have strong evidence it doesn't. So I would not do any sort of transdermal gabapentin until we have a study that actually shows that it works. Yep. So just be aware of that. Sounds good. And that's all I've got, JJ. What you got? (laughs) Nothing? Nothing. Nothing? (laughs) Nothing. All right. Well, I think we have time for a favorite thing at the end of our episode. Mm. Okay, so I'll go first because JJ hasn't thought of one yet. (laughs) And I didn't give her a heads up ahead of time. Uh, So what I'll say is my favorite thing, I have two. I have two. Okay, as we're recording this, now this won't come out, you know, for a, a smidge of time. There's quicker turnaround than normal for this episode which is my fault but here we are sitting at the end of july and i have finished with my summer semester and have still maintained my 4-0 Woo-hoo. and i'm headed into in the fall my last semester of class before i start clinical year wow isn't that fucking crazy mm-hmm. that's fucking insane just kind of flown by right So, yeah, so that's my good thing number one. Good thing number two is that I was like, I have got to get more vegetables in my diet, okay? Like, I just have to. And it's just like, uh, you know, difficult with me traveling for school and blah, 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 blah. And then, like, you know, I will buy veggies um, at the store, but then they don't all get used because Carl is not really a vegetable person. And, like, and then if I'm busy with school for a couple of weeks and Carl does the shopping, I might, like, go a hot minute without eating, like, vegetables. So, anyway, I was like, let's do a CSA. I've always wanted to do one. A CSA, you're looking at me like, you're like, what the fuck is that? CSA is community-supported agriculture. So, you can buy a share in the local farm. And in exchange for that money, then they bring you whatever the crop has produced. Hmm. In this particular one gives me a box every other week. And I've always wanted to do one, but they always have like weird drop off or pickup times where I'd be like, no one is fucking at home in the middle of the day. (laughs) But apparently lots of people are or else they would go out of business. But anyway, I have never at any point in my life until now, sometimes been home in the mornings. Right. Mm -hmm. But now I'm often home in the mornings and it's just (laughs) the most amazing thing ever. And so now I can have a CSA. And so they delivered it today for the first time. And I am super 
excited about it because they brought me two dozen eggs, a pound of beef, like a seasoning packet. They brought me fresh lettuce, green onion, squash, and zucchini, and these cute little fucking patty pan squashes, which I've never had before, but I've seen them for some reason all over TikTok recently. And then they just showed up on my porch and I was like, hell yes. Oh, and a little, little sweet uh, bell peppers that you can stuff with like, you know, delicious things and put them in the oven. I like to put cheese in there. Oh yeah. Yes. I'm so excited. I need to broaden my vegetable palette. Girl. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. I put a an opening video of my CSA box on my TikTok account. <laughs> I'm getting pretty good at TikTok now. Oh, boy. So, Check you out. know, eventually we'll have to start putting some introverts mm-hmm. material up. That's going to be interesting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know what the first video will be. What? JJ's dog. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I'll have to turn into TikTok to see it. Yes, we need to video our animals doing the funny things they do. (laughs) Okay. Mine is just more of, I just, you know, my husband doesn't get excited about much. Ben? Yeah. He pretty much, he he has pretty much an even kill about most things. I mean, that's true. Although there's specific topics he gets excited about. Yes, yes. But it's like usually, you know... Even if it's a TV show he really likes, mm-hmm. he's usually he'll sit there and watch it. He might laugh or whatever, but he's not like, what? And so I was like looking around on Netflix and I was like, I had heard this uh, a podcast about this ranch that's in, I think it's in Utah. Oh, shit, girl, Ranch. I, oh, no, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, my God. Oh, you need to. OK, so there's a whole thing. Um, what kind of interests me, too, is that there's a uh, I think he's an astrophysicist. Is that a thing? can't remember exactly what he does, but he's, like, super brilliant. He's from Huntsville. Anyway, I started watching the show, and I was like, what you watching? And I was like, it's like the Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. And he's like, what is that? And he starts watching it, and he sees that dude, and he's like, oh, cool, that's that dude. And I I, I'm, I know what he, I know about him. And then, basically, they're, like, using these instrument, instruments to measure these different things. I don't know what the hell any of it is. What, what is the premise? Is it haunted? Is it aliens? Is Combination. It what? Yes. Oh, shit. And it's, it's, like, it's been a known issue at that place since the 90s, before that, really. What? It's, all, it's supposed to be um, old Indian territory that's cursed. And um, there's, like, strange lights. They have tons of, like, flying saucer things that's on video. I mean, there's, like, all kinds of legit stuff that's, I mean, and they use these instruments and stuff to measure, like, these people have some health issues that have happened there. Mm. Um, They're, like, finding these, like, radiation and these radio waves, all kinds of different stuff that they're measuring. And I don't know dick about it. But Ben, however, is, like, Oh my gosh, they got a level blah, blah, blah on that thing. And I'm like, what? But just seeing him light up and just sit forward and just be so excited. I'm like, well, I know what's, we're, I mean, we watched all three seasons. We had to look three different places to find it. Oh, shit. But you, it's all you streaming. Finished it. Okay. But, well, it's still going. There'll yeah. be another season three, apparently, because it comes on the History Channel. Uh, season three oh, just wrapped up. There'll be another season. But uh, it is very entertaining. It's kind of like, if anybody ever watched Ghost Hunters, yeah, back in the day, like Ghost Hunters meets it's Unsolved Mysteries, kind of like if you have people way more techy and educated, okay, not to you know 
not to what? bash the plumbers from Ghost Hunters. Oh, I'm going to write them a but, letter immediately. <laughs> but, I mean, these these are like, you know, PhDs all over the place that are geeking out over all this stuff. And it was just, it was almost, I was entertained by the show, but I was equally entertained by Ben being so damn excited. That's so hilarious. Uh, that's adorable. It oh my was. God. I was like, oh, my nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my happy thing. Okay, well... I am going to have some documentary recommendations for you, but I will save it for another episode. We're already running a little over, so I'll save it for another episode. Okay. Okay. Okay, now, y'all, don't forget to send us cases. JJ mm-hmm. has worked very hard on a case submission form like we talked about in a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. At some point, I don't remember exactly, but it is coming, okay? Yep. She is working on it now, and we're going to get that link up live. And remember. You don't have to do a full literature review to submit a case, but if you want to do a full literature review, we will put you on the fucking podcast. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Don't test us. You'll be invited. Do test us. All right. <laughs> if you have stories, questions, cases, or anything else you'd like for us to read, please send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. Yep. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.